0: Welcome to the Writer's Rough Draft Podcast, where I climb behind the glamorous book launch world of successful writers and entrepreneurs and into the mind of folks like you, who are just getting their start. Equal parts witty writing information and unabashed content curiosity, <laughs> a healthy dose of laughter thrown in, my conversations with these pros share some of the trials tips, and techniques that others have used to help you build your writing and content and establish you as a leader in your fields. I'm your host, Alyssa Doucette, and I'm here to talk about all of that and have some fun with Chris Gillibo today. You can find the links, resources, and transcript of our chat on my website at alissadoucette.com episode two. Chris Guillebeau is an author, entrepreneur, and world traveler. Over 10 years, he visited every country in the world, built a massive audience and following for his popular website, The Art of Nonconformity, gathered thousands of creative, remarkable people in Portland, Oregon, where he hosts the World Domination Summit, all while starting numerous companies and divisions like his unconventional guides and the travel hacking cartel. His first book, The Art of Nonconformity, has been translated into over 20 languages, and his second book, The $100 Startup, was a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller. His newest book, The Happiness of Pursuit, will be published by Crown Random House in September of 2014. Thanks for taking time out from all of that to chat with me today, Chris.
1: Thank you, Alyssa. That's an awesome introduction. I appreciate that.
0: Did I leave anything out?
1: I have a cat. (laughs) She's my assistant, actually. She only works in the middle of the night.
0: (laughs) At the vital time when you need her there.
1: Pretty much. 2 to 4 a.m. She's on duty.
0: (laughs) Now, I'm going to go back. I'm guessing you didn't start out just writing books when you started writing.
1: That's correct. I started writing term papers that no one ever read in my graduate school program. I liked the process of writing. It was just a little frustrating that I would spend, like, weeks in the library and doing all kinds of research and then writing multiple drafts, and then maybe two to three people in total would read the papers. So I wanted to go a little bit broader.
0: We've all felt the pain, and anyone who's had to write the papers in school, of pouring blood, sweat, and tears in just to get a little number in the corner of a paper and call it a day. Right. How did you make the jump from grad school writing papers to extremely popular website and everything else?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a jump. It wasn't like, you know, (laughs) graduated right from grad school and then all of a sudden, you know, popular blog or whatever. I mean, I did start a blog. That was the step. And that was a small step in the sense that it was really easy to do it. Like anybody can start a blog. You know, there's no hindrance or there's really not that much technical difficulty in doing so. Um, and it made a really big difference in my life right away, not in terms of thousands of people reading it, but I just, I really enjoyed the format and the process of blogging. I loved being able to just write something and then have it out in the world. And even if it was just a few people in the beginning engaging with it, I just found it to be really powerful and so I guess I knew right away like once I started publishing content online that it was something that I wanted to continue to do and then I did want to write a book so probably for the first six months that I'm publishing content online I'm also trying to think okay what will the book be about and how does that process work and how does one get an agent and how does one write a book proposal and all that kind of stuff so I was exploring that role at the same time that I was publishing the content online and trying to just recruit an initial audience.
0: So the blog that you started, was that Art of Nonconformity?
1: It was indeed, yep.
0: And how long between starting, actually let me back up because I'm a huge fan of Art of Nonconformity, Thank you. <laughs> did your guide to world domination, was that out at the very beginning of Art of Nonconformity?
1: Not at the very beginning, but pretty soon thereafter, I would say maybe it was like month three or four. So I was also writing that, um, The Brief Guide to Real Domination. It was a manifesto. It was a free online content. Um, it was just kind of a document that kind of offered a perspective of how I view the world. And here's what I'm doing with my project. And I'm going to be visiting every country in the world. So I want to invite you, the reader, to come and join me on that. And so that was something that was happening in the process of beginning to blog, publishing the manifesto, trying to get the book deal or whatever would turn out with that. So there was a lot in the first year, but I'd also been thinking about it a lot. You know, The whole time I was wasting my time in the library at the University of Washington for a year and a half before I started the blog, I was thinking about what it would be like. I knew I wanted to do something like this. I wanted to travel and start businesses as I'd always done before, but I wanted to do so in a more public way and and sharing it with people. So I'd actually spent a lot of time writing drafts and preparing some initial content. So I would know like when I started that I would be able to at least keep it going for a while.
0: Yeah. And when you started, you already had your own business that was supporting your actual lifestyle as, you know, writing free blog posts probably wasn't making you a ton of money to begin with, I'm guessing.
1: Correct, correct, yeah. <laughs> i an entrepreneur, so I did have a small business that I ran, but I could also see the writing on the wall because I actually wasn't making a ton of money from the business then, and I was making less and less money every month. And so even though it, it was great to have my bills paid and, and be able to focus on the writing and the travel, like I knew something would have to change at, at a certain point. I didn't really have a great business monetization plan for the blog in the beginning, but as people started to engage and to subscribe, and they asked a lot of questions. They asked questions about how I travel and how do I book the airfare and I've always used a lot of frequent flyer miles. People wanted to know how that worked. So I kind of did evolve a business model maybe in between six months and one year of having the blog. And so I, probably within a year, I was relying solely on my income from the blog. And I published another manifesto called 279 Days to Overnight Success that actually shared all those details and talked about the money in, in specific detail and how it came to be and the mistakes that I made along the way.
0: Speaking of mistakes, because none of us start out, as you've already clarified, you know writing a new york times bestseller or very few people i should note start out writing new york times bestseller do you remember what you're not in the grad school rooms but starting out with the blog with writing your first drafts of your book what was your writing routine what was your daily routine looking like way back when
1: yeah sure sure i don't know if it's changed a whole lot i mean i'm doing different projects but i guess uh, the routine has always been really focused on outcomes and focused on tasks i'm a big fan of lists I like to write lists. You know, I, I love to like, okay, here's my project. Here's what I got to do. And I'm going to write down all the goals and objectives for it. So I was really focused on a deliverable based schedule of, okay, here I'm up today. I'm going to try to write two posts. I'm going to try to write a guest feature for somebody. I'm going to make progress on the manifesto. Once it came to book writing time, then I'm going to figure out, okay, how does one write a book? And it can't be that complicated because there's lots of books out in the world and there's an average word count. So how many words is that? and, And how can I break that down into a series of days and steps? So I guess it's always been very much driven by the desire to produce and the desire to go from having nothing to having something. And and I'm focused much more on that than I am focused on, on like a specific time schedule. I feel like focusing on the outcome is a lot better or more helpful, at least for me.
0: Definitely. One of the things we first noticed when we started interviewing people was how many people were like, I can't write like a specific word counter a day or write for a specific time a day. Right. I would rather get something out than worry about how many words I'm writing. Mm, yeah. So starting out with this writing and getting, jumping from really only having your university professors and thesis advisors giving you feedback to, you know, in 279 days, becoming successful enough that a lot of people were giving you feedback. How did you feel starting to put out that writing at first? You know, it's kind of a daunting experience for lots of folks.
1: It was so fun. It was so fun. (laughs) I loved it. It was so good. I mean, like I would say there's a couple of negative things, you know, like one thing would be maybe I had unrealistic expectations. That even though we're talking about how it was ultimately successful and I like, got to write books and stuff, like maybe I, I had unrealistic expectations that like in the first week, you know, all of a sudden, like thousands of readers are going to subscribe and it's going to be huge. And it, it definitely wasn't that. And there were definitely periods where there were lulls or, you know, not much is happening and like no coverage is coming in and I pitch people and they turn me down or whatever. So I, I had to adjust to that. And when you said, like, most people don't have a New York Times bestseller right away. Well, my first book wasn't a New York Times bestseller. And my first book, it was turned down by, like, 15 publishers, I think. And people would always say, like, you know, why did you choose the publisher that you did? I'm like, well, they're the first one that said yes. You know, like, that's how that's how it works. It wasn't like I was out interviewing a dozen people who really wanted to be a part of this. I mean, most people didn't. So I try to be cognizant of of that. Um, But overall, like, it was great. It was so fun. The immediacy of it. Of being able to share online and to write about whatever you want, the freedom and the independence of it, but also the collaboration of it, of the engagement of people who would comment or subscribe or email me. Like, I mean, it was probably the best decision I ever made. Like, I wish I'd started earlier.
0: So the fun of it is absolutely such a great feeling. And, you know, the good parts are always the good parts. Mm -hmm. But do you remember how you kind of pulled yourself out of, you know, I feel like a lot of creative people or just people in general get to that point where they start going through some of the doubts that you were talking about or having those feelings. And what do you think made you decide to err on the side of head down, push forward, keep going instead of accepting defeat or accepting the rejections?
1: I feel like I could answer it in present tense, not just in past tense, because I feel like we kind of demarcate this line of success in weird ways. And we look at people who are so-called successful and we want to talk about their past as if they no longer experience the same doubts or fears. But I guess for me, like I still, you know, have these creative challenges and I still get down and depressed. And if someone sends me like a rude email or there's like a you know negative comment or something, it still makes me sad. There could be a hundred positive comments, but that one negative comment is still gonna make me sad. And I haven't really ever found anybody who can truly solve that problem. It's a question everybody always talks about but most creative people that I know have various struggles of many different kinds. So with that said, I guess the way that I've solved the problem in the past and the way that I solve the problem when I encounter it now is lots of things still go wrong. I do kind of fall off track from time to time. But as you said, I am able to kind of keep my head up or keep going or whatever. And I do that by thinking about what I want to achieve in the long term, what I want to achieve and who I want to be and what I know I enjoy if I can just kind of keep going and I guess I think about regret a lot, and I know if I just kind of stop, then I'm always going to regret it. I don't have any guarantee of continued success. I don't have any guarantee that things are going to be amazing. Maybe I'll I'll go totally off course, but that's something that's kind of out of my control, I guess. What is in my control is like, can I keep going? And I know if I stop that I'll regret it.
0: The number one question we got from people is, how do you kind of get past the fear of rejection? And regret is a pretty good way to do that. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, as I said, rejection is common and it's not just in the past, like there's still things that I pitch and then get turned down and that's just how it goes. But I try to as much as possible to be focused on what I hope to achieve. Like, I want to say focus on the positive, but that also sounds kind of fake. You know, it sounds kind of like I'm always happy or something. There's plenty of times when I'm not happy about something, but I still try to be focused on the outcomes. Maybe that's better.
0: So how do you deal with the haters that, you know, so many of us do encounter in a daily basis, whether we're writing online or running businesses or just interacting with other people?
1: Well, I keep a small bar here in my office. (laughs) I have a bottle of bourbon and the cat is usually asleep, so I can't get her to help. But I go and pour myself something. No, I don't know. I guess I get depressed. I get sad and I'm like, oh, that sucks. And then I just move on because what else can you do? You know,
0: gotcha. So you're not like flailing out, you know, just off the cuff, angry emails at the people.
1: Well, that I feel is a strategic question because, (laughs) yeah, it's like, what do you really gain by doing that? Like, you're probably just going to continue a dialogue that's not helpful. I'm not going to say I've never done that, but usually when I do it, speaking of regret, Usually, you're like, oh, actually, that probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> so maybe it's, it's more like a tactical thing, like over to do that. But I think everyone struggles with it. I know it's a common question. I know everyone wants to know. But I also feel like it's always important to just provide the counterpoint and say, yes, for every one of those things, there really are like so many amazing people out there in the world who if you share your writing online, they are going to benefit from it, they're going to be encouraged, you're going to make their life a little bit better. And ultimately, if you can objectively look at it and kind of emotionally detach yourself from whatever the negative thing is, you're going to realize like there's a real reason why we do this. And it's for all those amazing people.
0: Right. And kind of, as you said, I think some people would probably listen to that and interpret it as focusing on the positive. But you're really focusing more on the outcome and what you're trying to achieve through your writing, through helping people, through your businesses, instead of focusing on what people are going to resent about it.
1: That's what I try to do. I'm not always successful, but that's what I hope.
0: <laughs> that's why you're human and not a Marvel superhero.
1: Still working on that.
0: <laughs> so, you know, your business kind of is your writing, would you say?
1: It is, for better or worse. It's very intertwined in my personality. I haven't created a structure that's independent of myself, and, and that's fine. It works for me.
0: So as we noted in your introduction, you're kind of a busy guy, you know, after I had to unfortunately cancel the first schedule of this, we had to postpone so that you could just jump on a plane and quickly head out to the Middle East for a couple days and come back. You love your traveling and running businesses and meeting people. How do you get all your writing done with doing all of that
1: Yes, since we're being very honest in this interview, Alyssa, I will say that that is definitely a struggle. (laughs) I definitely find myself writing less than I used to, and it bothers me. It's something that if I don't actively make time for it, then there are so many things that will come and encroach upon that. So I do still try to be deliverable-focused, as we discussed. I do try to realize, like, okay, I still need, like, this content needs to happen. And I try to work on deadlines. I mean, I think deadlines are our friends. If I have something that's a loose deadline, that's a very dangerous thing because it just means I'll just continue to defer it. So I do like things with forced deadlines. Um, I do try to have a writing practice. But it's also a struggle. I I think, I don't know if all the listeners exercise, but if if you've ever had an exercise program of some kind, whatever it is, you probably know that if you miss a day or so of your program, like it's okay, life is fine you can miss a day or two and then go back to it. It's all right. But if you start missing like multiple days, then you really notice it. It has this effect on you. It's just like we mentioned drinking in the private bar earlier. Like if you have one drink, that's fine. Maybe two drinks is okay. But then after a while, like it definitely has a real impact or effect, a negative effect. And so I guess for me, if I miss a day or two of the writing practice, it's okay. But if I miss more than that, it really starts to bother me. And and hopefully that's a healthy thing because it's helping me get back to something that I know I value and I want to do.
0: Do you find that similar to that exercise stuff, you know, that first day back at the gym when you haven't been for a week and a half or whatever is generally an exercise, no pun intended, but an exercise in hating every single piece of gym equipment and weight machines and everything that you encounter over an hour long period. Do you find the same struggle when you haven't been writing for a while and that first day back kind of the uphill battle?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if I've thought of it that way before, but I don't know why, because it's definitely a good analogy. Yeah, I think maybe it's like you expect it to be effortless, and then you realize, like, oh, there's, there's this work aspect of it. Like, we keep talking about how it's fun, but there is also a, the creative process is not always fun. So, yeah, I think I agree with that.
0: Speaking of fun, we have a fun little section on the show that I like to do with everyone. It's the writer's lightning round. And so it's just a handful of questions. We're going to ask you as many as we can in two minutes. Very quick for see if we can kind of jump into the inner psyche of your mind and kind of understand a writer a little bit better. So you feeling up to it?
1: Awesome. Yeah, I'm pouring the bourbon right now.
0: (laughs) Perfect. That will make the answers much better. All right. Pen or pencil? Pen. Mac or PC? Mac. Coffee or tea? Both. Night or morning? Morning. Noise or silence?
1: Ambient noise.
0: Ooh, what's ambient noise?
1: Like, there's some good Pandora stations. There's a Pandora Chill station. There's one on Spotify as well. Like, good instrumental music. It doesn't have words that can distract you, but does provide, like, a good mood. Gotcha.
0: Good writing or correct writing? (laughs) Uh, Good writing. Lefty or righty? Righty. Weird or typical?
1: Weird, I guess.
0: <laughs> school or no school?
1: School-ish.
0: <laughs> Outside or inside? Inside. Clean or messy? Clean. Teacher or student?
1: Uh, pass.
0: <laughs> Ooh, crafty. Town or city? City. Trains or planes? Planes. Skiing or surfing? Neither. Fantasy or Reality. Reality. Love or money? Both. Introverts or extroverts? Introverts. Good content or good marketing? Both. Smile or game face? Game face. Money or fame?
1: Wow, that's good. Uh, Let's say fame.
0: Call or text? Text. Be older than you are now or be younger than you are now? Younger. Think before you talk or talk before you think? Hopefully think. Have a dragon or be a dragon? Have a dragon. Best-selling book or multi-million dollar business?
1: Best-selling book.
0: What is one website you're loving right now?
1: Mm, one website I'm loving right now. I'm actually loving Feedly. I'm actually starting to read RSS more by Feedly.
0: Nice. And as you heard from our little buzzer, you... That's up. Got Time is up, but you got through a remarkable amount of questions
1: there. Those are some fun ones. I actually like that. I never know what I'm going to get for something like lightning round, but that was good.
0: (laughs) We we like to do it so that people can kind of get an idea of the questions beyond what a normal person asks during those lightning rounds. Cause who doesn't want to know if Chris Gillibo wants to be a dragon or own a dragon?
1: Yeah. The masses are just clamoring for this (laughs) at least five downloads of this episode.
0: Speaking of good content or good marketing that's just released right now, that will be the marketing line for this particular podcast.
1: Awesome. Sounds good to me.
0: (laughs) All right. So thank you again for joining me on the episode. Where can listeners find your writing and business stuff?
1: If they can manage to spell my name, they can go to com. They can type in something similar to that in Google. It'll probably send them to that. My new book is called The Happiness of Pursuit, and I'm doing a tour to more than 40 cities where I would love to see them. So the information on that is also on my website.
0: Fantastic. And do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners?
1: My parting thoughts are I'm glad that your listeners are engaged in writing and interested in hearing more about it, and I hope they will go and do something with it today.
0: You can find this episode's notes and resources at alyssadoucette.com slash episode two and the Writer's Rough Draft full archive at alyssadoucette.com slash podcast. If you want to talk more writing with me or just say hi, you can always catch me on Twitter at Alyssa This show is produced and published by my outstanding content management team over at writingbusinesswell.com. Thank you for listening on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or right off the site you love listening to writers talking about their writing path as much as i love talking to them about it then please leave us a quick five-star review reviews and sharing your favorite episodes help me get the word out and get more people on the show so thank you for doing that and thank you for listening to me geek out today about writing with chris Gillibove. till i'm in your earbuds next tuesday go create your own compelling content and make some words
1: sexy Well, the alternative isn't so great, so yeah,
0: the alternative is telling a lie and then consistently have to having to remember the lie for the rest of time
1: exactly. I mean like now it's going to be hard to remember later if I said you know have a dragon or be a dragon <laughs> It's great because some sometimes there's going to be like a gawker article article that's like you know I don't know who knows.